Welcome back to the Always Aggressive Podcast, postseason edition uh, number two, I guess. We we the Big Ten Championships last uh, last time out. This time we're going to recap them and take a look at nationals. A uh, lot of information coming to you. We'll look at NCAA brackets, talk about draws, talk about uh, some expectations for Detroit. But first, we're going to look back at uh, the results from Lincoln. Coach went down to Nebraska. Got a got a handful of guys on the podium. Got seven qualified for NCAAs, which which you've you've been clear about from day one. That's the primary goal of that event is to to survive and advance to the next competition. So just overall thoughts on 2022 Big Tens. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day to get seven through was was good. I mean, that's a number that we thought if we got seven, eight through, you know, boy, we, we did pretty well. So to get seven guys who I think can score at nationals was a positive, right? That's a big positive for us to take, uh, take out of that tournament. Obviously, from a team standpoint, we would have loved to have moved up uh, a few more rungs on that ladder um, from where we were. Um, but it just was hard. That was such a deep tournament this year. We never really got got on the roll that we needed. You know, the last few years being top five, top six, you know, you get on that roll a little bit. And it just seems like we would collect some good wins and then take a loss that might set us back from a from a point scoring standpoint, which obviously people familiar with how they score in tournaments with place points and what a semifinal win uh, can mean for a team, you know, was big. So that that was the disappointing part. While getting seven through was great, man, um, we just lacked a couple of key wins or never got on that roll that I thought you needed, right, to really move up. But but it was a deep field, you know, with all of the, the holdbacks, right? We talked about clock extension for a lot of schools, and that was that was probably one of the deeper uh, uh, Big Ten tournaments that I've been a part of. And, and I think at one point I called it, it was it was a bloodbath. Yeah. So for a lot of for a lot of good kids. When you see guys like uh, um, Hildebrandt, you know, who's not a Big Ten guy, but clearly uh, an All-American comes in the Big Ten this year. He's 0-2 and, and out. Yaya Thomas, Northwestern, highly regarded guy, top three. Third at Nationals last year, yeah. Yeah, third at Nationals last year, and he's 0-2 and, and out. And that was, a you know, a theme for, for a lot of good kids. And so it was, it was a very, very tough tournament. And for us, like I said, to get seven through – even though, yeah, you know, we would love to have been higher, uh, gives us, uh, you know, some excitement for what NCAAs can be for us, where we get another chance to get on the roll. Yep. Uh, let's talk specifically about it. I mean, I, I don't think it can be, I don't think it can be overstated how difficult of a tournament Big Tens was this year, Tony. Like, you, you know, you look at the fact that, uh, you know, Michigan wins the Big Ten championship, which was a surprise, right? Everybody had, Iowa and yep. Penn State is the front runners with Michigan as a dark horse type of deal. Um, but they had a lot of guys step up, you know, uh, but those guys, a lot of those guys who stepped up were sixth years. Right. Yep. Michigan won the Big Ten championship with six sixth years in their lineup. Yeah, like that's that, wild. Yeah, you know, and I believe like, Iowa had the same, right? They, I had five. Had five, right? I mean, so again, yeah, it just it made for a very, very deep, difficult tournament. But, you know, hey, that's what it is. You know, you're in the tournament and, and, and our job is to go find, you know, go find ways to win tough matches. And, uh, you know, by and large, we won some very good matches. I mean, if we go through here, that's the strange thing, right, is 
you know, you, you want to be higher, right? You want to be up that podium spot a little higher as a team. But I look at a guy like Parker Phileas, you know, just to give people a sense of what this, the road was. Mm -hmm. He had an All-American national runner-up, Stephen Meechich. Olympian. Olympian. Yep, Stephen Meechich as well. Uh, in first round, wins that one, wins a very tough one. Catches another All-American uh, in Rivera from Rutgers. Uh, falls to the backside, losing that bout. And, and runs into Chad Red who is going for his fifth All-American honor. Four-timer. Four-timer, which is rare enough in a guy who's going for his fifth this year and beats that guy. Yep, um, great win. You know, great win, right? So he beats two All-Americans, wrestles three in a row, though, and then catches, you know, unfortunately when he's ahead, um, gets lifted and returned to his back and pinned against Ohio State, which kept put him down into the seventh-place bout. So that's how those roads were just difficult you know, for a lot of guys, you know, I'm, I'm using one example here to just kind of show what that tournament kind of looked like this year. So again, it, it took a, a, you know, a guy who was really ready to wrestle hard each and every round uh, to get it done. Um, specifically that Parker Phileas match with Chad Red. Um, you know, you can't say enough about his effort in those two matches. He won over Mijich and Red. Uh, down 4-1 to Michich, down 5-1 to Red, and found a way to come back and dig out of the hole. And, I mean, the end of the Chad-Red match was pure insanity. Um, you know, gets the takedown at the buzzer, ref calls a pin, overrules it. They go to OT, yep. catches him in a cradle, <laughs> puts him on his back again, Um you know, I, I, we got some great photographic evidence of it, but uh, just an incredible energizer for the team and, you know, specifically for Parker. Yeah, no doubt. Um, for Again, and this is something we want to, like, clear up, right? You don't go to Nationals, you don't want to be down 4-1 in every match. So that quicker start is something that, that uh, we're addressing, but just shows you the fight he has. He's never out of the match, right? And I thought that was indicative of of most of our guys in that tournament their fight was good right i mean we may have lost some tough situations here or there but their fight uh was really good and, th and then that's something you can build on when your effort and your fight and your belief to finish matches is strong like parker's you always give yourself a chance and now his job is to go on and uh hey let's get a, a quicker start so we're not always trying to come you know from three four points down after the first period um, speaking of a guy, you, you know, you said we got a lot of good wins. One of those guys that collected several of those, uh, Thomas Panola, he was our highest placer, took fifth at 197 in a loaded, loaded bracket. Man, Probably, I yeah. would say maybe second or third toughest behind 84 and maybe 25. Yeah. No, that I, fair? that's a deep bracket boy. I mean, 97 was crazy for fifth place. And the guy you're wrestling is number five in the country yeah. in the conference, right? That's he had to beat the guy ranked. That's a top five win in the country for him to get fifth place. And again, a guy who had beaten him earlier in the tournament. So again, like something you can be proud of is his fight was really good. He came back against a kid. He had had a narrow defeat earlier in the tournament and found a way to gut out a very tough win against a top five guy and a guy likely that you're going to see to, to be an all American or, you know, even more. Uh, at the NCAAs in two weeks. Um, beat another ranked opponent in Jaron Smith to start the tournament. 
Um, you know, close loss to Caffey beats Greg Bolsack, beats um Yeah. Yep. And the six seven matchup there. I'm missing one. Oh, uh Foy from Minnesota. Yep. Who's obviously real tough. Um, but I mean, you look at Tom's schedule. I mean, he's wrestled 32 matches this season, 20 of them against ranked opponents. Man. I mean, <laughs> battle tested, I think, is the phrase that comes to mind. That's yeah, the battle tested is right. And he's the perfect guy for that, right? Like he's the guy, he shows up ready to go every time. So you know, that's a guy who eats that kind of a schedule up. And uh, again, you feel really good about him going into the national tournament just because he's proven that that he's wrestled the best and can do well against them. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of sixth place finishers in Devin Schroeder and Kendall Coleman. Um, you know, Devin had two nice wins to meet to, to advance to the semis before uh, falling to Nick Suriano. Yeah. Um, yep. Top seed, top number, you know, number one in the country for those that, that don't know. Um, yep. And then, you know, defaulted on the backside, was a little banged up. Um, yep. Obviously, that was a, a hot topic around around Big Ten that I don't know that we want to dive too far into. Um, yeah. I mean, Kendall Coleman uh, from the four seed uh, took sixth, had a couple losses to Peyton Robb, lost to Brady Berge, who wrestled a great tournament, um, but had some nice game. wins over uh, Garrett Model and Derek Gilcher and uh, Luis, Lucas Cordio. Yeah. And again, when you talk about tournament scoring, those are the things that, that I look back on. Like we lost that OT match in the quarters, Peyton Robb, right? That's a six, four match that goes our way, man. You know, that's several more team points and moves you up again, up the ladder over a, a couple of teams. So those are the kinds of things or situations that come back to really haunt you, I guess a little bit and things that you want to focus on winning those situations next time. But it, it shows Kendall is, again, right there, but it comes down to situational wrestling. We got to be on that guy's legs in the OT, not letting him on our legs first, right? Like, we got to be the first guy to pull that trigger and attack. So those are things that we'll go back and, and look at and examine. But, again, just a lot of tough matches. Effort was great from my standpoint. We've got to win a few more tough situations that'll make the difference in how those points uh, go. And then as far as Devin, you know, again, he was just banged up and beat up. And so we did, we decided he's a six year guy, right? Um, the plan is to have him ready for nationals. There's no expectation he won't be, but uh, when a kid comes back for that six year and, and he's a little beat up on the backside, you know, you know, we decided that that would be smart just to have him ready even though, you know, there was some more points for us to, to be had from him uh, as well. Um, last but not least for your place winners, uh, freshman Matt Ramos um, put together a really solid performance, um, some highlight reel type stuff uh, against a few of these guys, but uh, ended up taking seventh place, earning an automatic spot uh, out of the nine seed here to Nationals. Yeah, you know, He's competed well all year all year long, and he's doing his best wrestling now. Um, even though it was in a loss, his match against the Foley kid, um, I think, is indicative of how far he's come. I mean, that was a, a major decision in the duel match that really got away from him, and there there we were, right nip and tuck at the end. We thought we had the winning takedown. You know, I even threw the brick because that's how close it was yep. to challenge and review the call. 
uh, to get that winning takedown at the end of the match. So he is wrestling very well right now. I think he's got a lot of confidence, you know, and, and he's feeling good going into this tournament, which you love to see, right? Like doing your best wrestling and, and being confident is, is important right now. Now, I did not have the greatest angle to view that Matt Ramos uh, match. When you threw the brick, what did they uh, what did they tell you about him not getting the takedown? Because they awarded it and then took it yeah. away. So we had we had one ankle and we snagged the far ankle. Okay, and so at first glance, it looks like he has both feet, which is an automatic two, and then the foot slipped out of his hand. So I think it came down to. Uh, reaction time is what they were feeling like. Did we really control the far ankle? Did we just have it and it was gone? Or did we control it before he slipped it? You know what I mean? And, and I think that was kind of the the decision they they made at the end is we didn't control it, you know, to, to actually get the two. But it looked good from our standpoint where we had it for a good, you know, second and held it before then he he kind of kicked out. So, you know, those, those calls are, you know, you get some, you lose some. You got to move on. Indeed. Um, so Schroeder, Ramos, Coleman, and Panola were your four automatic qualifiers. Uh, Tuesday, we picked up three more spots in Parker Phileas, Garrett Ninehouse, and Max Lyon. Um, seven guys to nationals, fifth year in a row with at least seven guys. Uh, what does it say about the program to have that kind of consistency going to the national tournament year after year after year. Yeah. I, I you know, I, I'm excited that there's depth in our room in terms of numbers to nationals, right? That's a big deal. When 70 or 80% of your lineup is going, that shows that, again, there's, there's depth and development across weights in your room and there's an expectation. And again, with this being one of the deeper years, you know, ever, you know, just to still get those out was that, that that's a nice accomplishment for our kids. So that that's where, you know, I kind of land with it is those guys starting way back, you know, you talk about uh, Lighty and Bruner and a lot of those guys that first came in years ago have kind of set that, you know, that expectation and, and that environment from a mindset standpoint. And now we've got, you know, guys carrying that on. And, and so that's, that's good to see. And you just got to keep trying to take the next step, right. In terms of, you know, what the program can accomplish. Um, little history lesson for, for our fans out there. Uh, the only time previously in program history that we had taken seven or more in back-to-back -back seasons uh, was in 2003, 2004. So now that we've done it five straight times, obviously, you know, the pro it's, it's a, it's a nice statement for the program. It's a nice national representation to, you know, have the opportunity to go score all those points. Uh, Corey, as a guy who's been around the Purdue wrestling program for, for a long time, you know, what does it look like from your eyes to, to see, you know, three, four, five carloads of guys driving, driving up to Detroit this weekend? Well, I think it's, it's awesome. I, I side note, I appreciate how you just sort of slyly called me old. I, I love that. Uh, <laughs> Dude, we've been here the same amount of time. I don't know why, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know why that's, I don't know why that's insulting. We're, we're both old. Um, <laughs> facts aren't insults like you're uh, very fond of saying. No, I, I think it's awesome. You know, it, I remember years where it was, we got three guys through or, or maybe we got four or five through, but we knew that had a good feeling. A couple of them were going to be two and barbecue kind of guys. It, that to me, it's awesome to get numbers. It's fantastic to get them consistently, but I don't look at a single one of these guys going to Detroit as 
unable to get wins, as unable to score. And I, I know that's the other thing about you, you're, you're taking seven or eight guys, Tony, but uh, there was, there was it last year or, or, or 2019. I'm old. I can't remember um, where <laughs> every guy went and won at least two matches. Like it's, it's cool to be there. It's so much better to be there and do something. And we're at the point now where we've got, you know, multiple guys who are going to Detroit expecting to reach the podium and, and every single one of them expecting to make a run because that's kind of where we've leveled up. Yep. No, I would, I would say that's a fair statement too, is that, um, you know, every guy that we're going to take understands they're capable of winning and winning a lot. I mean, you take a guy, you know, I'll use a guy like Max Lyon, you know, that, that 184 pound weight class, they took all 14 guys. That's nuts. That's wild. And I know if you go out on the Twitter verse, there's some unhappy people, but if you just look like those guys have all got really marquee good wins. I mean, like the guy who was 14th was ranked top 15 in the country. Mm -hmm. Good part of the year in DJ Washington, you know, and Max has wins over Venz and Salazar and some other guys. So, the, you know, that term bloodbath I was talking about kind of comes into play. So, you, yeah, you've got records that may not look tremendous, but, man, they've been in those battles and they've found ways to win in tough situations. So even a guy like Max, man, uh, he knows he can win. He knows he, he, he knows he has to wrestle his kind of match. You know, he knows he knows what he has to do. But I think he understands that his best wrestling, he's capable of winning uh, against anybody, you know. And we talked about – we talked about Tom's schedule this year and Max has been another guy, not, not just this year, the last two years, you know, Max wrestled 16 to 17 matches last year against ranked opponents. He's wrestled 15 to 25 this year against ranked opponents. Like the reason everybody got in from the big 10 is because like, who, who do you leave? I mean, obviously, you know, uh, Jack Jessen from Northwestern hats off to him for going in and, and snagging a spot. Um, but, uh, you know, who, who do you want to leave out? Well, and that's right. See, that was the, that was the situation, right? When we talk about how tournaments go and where you catch your wins. I mean, Justin caught that win at the right time. Yep. If, if he had been out left out and he's 14, you know, there's no way he's in. Right. I mean, I think everybody understands that, but he caught the spot um, by, by pinning, you know, uh, IU at the right time. And now you got a top 15 kid sitting out there for wild cards, you know? So that's, that's how these things go, you know? And so uh, it, it's still, it's going to be a tough test, but again, these guys have all had good wins during the year mm -hmm. and they're deserving to be there. So I feel good that, Hey, they're confident that they, if they do their best wrestling, they, they can do well. Well, Tanner, uh, we were looking at, at the 84 bracket at nationals. Weren't you saying Max's was something like his last 13 matches this season were against guys in the field? Something like that. Like, yeah, that's, it's it's that's it's wild. nuts. He uh he wrestled a long list of national qualifiers, and that's where you know, like you said, there's some people out there and in, in the Twitterverse, and you know that are upset about some people not getting in the tournament, especially at that weight. And um, you know, you look at some of them. Like, I think I think one person had like five total matches out of like thirty matches against the field, and. While I understand you can only wrestle who's in front of you, you know, but, uh, you know, they were like, I think they had one win against the field. 
And it was, and it wasn't against one of the top people. Right. So I guess Tony, like, like, who do you, if, who do you get upset with? Do you get upset with the committee? Do you get upset with your coaches <laughs> for not giving you a tougher schedule? Do you get upset with life because it's just not fair? Like, like, where does yeah. that whole, where does that whole thing land? So, yeah, no, I, listen, and I, and I, I land on both sides of this, right? I mean, in, in terms of this, it's an, it, it's a numbers deal, right? Like we've worked hard. When I say we, the sport of wrestling has worked hard to make this kind of more data driven. Uh, gone are the days of coaches sitting in the room and trying to evaluate at NCAAs anyway. We're talking NCAAs about who should be seated where in, in evaluating that. So they make it a numbers deal. So it's data driven. So they, they punch all the numbers in and it spits out the points and then they make their decisions that way. Okay. And it worked in our favor uh, for, for getting our guys to nationals. You know, on the other hand, I can be upset about how some of the seating went, right? Like I could sit here and yes, mm -hmm. I think I, I got a guy <laughs> or two seated too low. Right. But again, it's supposed to be a, a numbers deal and take, you know, just kind of subjective thoughts about this, that, or the other out of it. So, you know, it's something that at the end of the day, it's, it's not personal. You know, it's nobody's sitting there making a judgment like, you know, it's, it's just this is what the data says. And I do feel while well, we sometimes are, you know, are on the wrong end of it, that it's probably overall better for the sport this way. Yeah. You know, our guy, Michael Wolf ended up on the wrong side of that numbers game. Unfortunately, yes. um, he's a guy who I thought definitely uh, had potential to get in. Um, you know, it turns out he did not have a coach's rank or an RPI. So he wasn't even eligible for the at-large pool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, it, you know, it's funny the way that falls. Um, you know, there's possibly some human error in there from the, the coaches end that voted on heavyweight. Um, I mean, they, they had a guy, they had a guy ranked 32nd that Michael just beat yep. at, at big tens. Oh, that's brutal. So it leaves you kind of scratching your head sometimes as far as that goes. But the other thing with Michael is, is like, you know, like I said before, Michael didn't have any wins against field. You know, he had some, he had some solid wins. He had some other wins against some other guys that were on the bubble. Um, but I mean, you know, heavyweight in the big 10 is we'll say, you know, Top heavy, which is a bit of a pun there. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's and ridiculous. For people who didn't see his match, I mean, my man came from <sighs> a couple of toenails uh, dragging his feet inbounds on, on that inside trip from going. I mean, he was in the mm -hmm. match to qualify for nationals and go, and he was uh, he had the trip. The uh, opponent was falling to his butt, and he was dragging his toes. And, again, we thought he had his feet in. I, I'm just telling you, I thought I, – I thought – two feet were down and they called no takedown. So we threw the brick again um, and felt good about it. I felt good. Like they looked at this and see slow mo that they're going to see two feet dragging. And so they said he just missed. So, and, you know, that's, that's the that's, difference. That's not a guy that's just winning and losing, that, man. Yeah. Well, and that's not some bum that he did it against right. either, right? No, that's a that's an All-American from last year. All-American got the 17 seed, which is kind of wild. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, and that's see, but that that tells you. I hope people understand when we're talking about what kind of a tournament this is. Is we had an an all American from last year in the match to just go to nationals, and our guy, you know, is just you know two inches from dragging his toes to to go on and being what I would call a fantastic story, you know, to 
to come out here five years later after graduating and put in a season for us and, and do what he did. Up away. Uh, you know, just fantastic. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And a guy um, we want to keep around, you know I mean? That's, this is a guy, right. He's going to be here another couple of years working on his PhD, but out of eligibility, but Hey, you know, he'd be, he'd be great to have around the program and mentoring our guys and just, you know, uh, kind of help, help be around uh, with these kids. For sure. Um, moving closer to NCAAs, uh, seeds and brackets came out. That's two days ago now, right? I don't even know what yeah. day it is anymore. Um, uh, like you said, some seeds did not go our way. Some seeds went our way. I was, I was okay with a lot of them. Um, we'll start with our highest seed, um, in Devin Schroeder, uh, got the nine seed at 125. thought he could have been a few spots higher, but you know, like you said, it's math, it's data driven. So yep. I kind of get it. Um, at the end of the day, uh, he becomes just the fourth wrestler in program history to be a top 10 seed at nationals three times. Oh, good. Did not realize that. Yep. Uh, did the dig, did the digging the other day. Uh, Bob Marshall did it back in the 60s, 60, 61 and 62. Uh, Ryan Lang did it at 174 pounds in uh, 02, 03, 04. And then Chris Flieger did it at 25 and 33 in 02, 03 and 06. And so Devin joins a, uh, a very short list of impressive company there. And um, hopefully that translates into a, a pretty awesome tournament for him. Yep. Uh, he's, he's looking good. You know, as we said, you know, he's, he's doing some, some very good wrestling right now. And he, he's excited, you know, after coming back and doing year six, I think it's gone very, very well for him. And, and I know he's, he's looking forward to finishing in his home state, right? I mean, who, who gets to do that in a career? You get to finish yeah. in Detroit in your home state. So, you know, man, I'm, I'm just excited to, to get there for him and, and, and watch him get after people. He is Detroit super fan, um, native of Grand Rapids, Michigan, for those that don't know. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I could be more excited for him to get a chance to finish his career. Um, in one of the places that it started, he sent me a picture yesterday of himself when he was a little, little kid at a wrestling tournament at Ford field, which is you know going to be right across the street from where we'll be next week. And I was, I was dying. I, was, I couldn't stop laughing, looking at the picture. He's probably um, about the same size. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have all that curly hair though. That was funny. That was the funny part for me. I uh, didn't have all the curly hair, but, uh, no, I can't. Uh, I couldn't be more excited for D. Um, he uh, he draws former All-American Sam Latona of Virginia Tech, who will be the 24 seed in the first round. Um, obviously, not an easy opponent, but a po you know at this level, like there aren't really many easy opponents, right? So um, you know he's in the same side of the bracket with eight seed Patrick McKee of Minnesota, uh, top seed Nick Soriano of Michigan. Um, and obviously several other outstanding wrestlers. So um, he's going to have to work for it, but it's, it's, it's out there. It's doable. Yeah, no, it's for all of these guys, it's time to go rip and tear and make your own luck. You know what I mean? That's, that's it. You're, they're ready. They're ready. Trust it and, uh, and go out there and get after it. Uh, another guy who got a really nice seed, Tom Panola is the number 11 seed at 197 pounds. Um Third trip to nationals for him, second at 197. Uh, this will be his best ever seed. Um, he draws 22 seed Owen Pence of North Dakota State in the opening round, who uh, 
if my if my if my memory serves me correct is is a pinner yep yeah i believe he uh his win earlier this year that kind of got his name out there was he pinned buchanan from wyoming in a cradle i believe yes he did so yep so um moving on down there uh is it Parker Phillies is 19? Corey, did I get that right? Uh, let me get there. Yes, Park, yeah. no, Parker's the 20. Parker's the 20. I think Kendall's 19. Kendall's 19. Yeah. That's who it is. Uh, Kendall, the 19 seed at 157 pounds. Um, he will uh, he will face 14 seed Jake Keating of Virginia. Um, this is a guy that while Kendall didn't wrestle him, we have a little bit of familiarity with because uh, – Cooper Norrie wrestled him at the Matt Men Open. Yep. Um, How much does that help? Getting getting to see a guy like that. Oh, I mean, it, you know, you, at least you got film and you know what he's going to do. But I mean, it's you know, again, this this time of year, it's it's do your thing, man. Like when you yeah. walk out, it's it's not you know work into it. It's come out and 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 get after people in your your best way. You know that that's that's the goal of talking to your guys and making sure that when they come out, it's, it's, it's executing your best way. You know, let's, let's not feel it out. Let's not play patty cake, like come out and execute hard with energy and focus. And, and um, you know, that is truly, those are the guys who are going to get it done. Those guys who come out and just, I'm, get, I'm getting to my stuff now. And, and they're going after people in that way. So make your own luck, right? Yeah, yeah man. I mean, you, you again, you don't want to come out and feel it out and see what's going to happen. I mean, we've, we've got to make sure when you put your foot on the line that it's, it's time to go after people smartly, right? Like everybody's got a game plan and everybody, you know, has got a little different way they want to score their points and stuff, but that's, that's what it's going to be is let's go after people in your best way. Now question, Tony, uh, Corey brings up a, a good question there. How much in the last 10 years has the approach to the national championship changed just simply from the idea of how much earlier you get the bracket, how much film is available to you that's out there. Um, You know, it used to be that they only seated the top, what, 16? Yeah. And and I can remember when it was top 12, was a long time ago, random draw, you know, for the rest of the guys. Uh, now they seed it all the way out. They get the bracket, you know, you get the bracket a full week ahead of time. Um, you've got flow, you've got track, you've got YouTube, you've got big 10 yep. network. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's not hard to go see what your opponent's about. No doubt. Well, I, you know, it's it probably in the long run, right. It helps in preparation, makes it more difficult on all of us, right. Creates some closer matches, um, and, but the downside, honestly, and I'm not saying this is a terrible thing or a bad thing even, but you used to get more of those wild, crazy matches early because they didn't seed it out. Right. So, so from a fan standpoint, if you used to see 16 and then the rest were just drawn in, well, you could still get some really good kids on some good kids and not that you won't see some of that here, but it cuts that down a bit sometimes. Right. Um, so that, that's the part where maybe I miss some of that as a traditionalist, but I, I, it looks like the data as, as we keep going year after year after year, we'll see if truly the, the right kids are getting to the podium, you know, in terms of seedings and those things, you know, but that's the interesting part for me. 
but man, the traditional part, I used to love, you get some wild stuff in round one. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. No, I, I, uh, I remember there's a lot of first round matches that have, that have come to be over the years that, that we'll never, we'll never get to see again. Um, but, uh, it'll be, uh, I don't know. I think there's some, there's some fun things like that this year. You know, you got a guy like Chad red who, uh, you know, wound up getting the, uh, the 19 seed at 141 after having a lackluster, you know, big 10 tournament. Um, yeah. guys, a four-time all American. He's the 19 seed. Uh, Drew Hildebrand out at 125, you know, multiple time All-Americans, the 16 seed. Um, you know, there's there's several of these examples if you if you keep diving through the brackets and seeing kind of where things happened, uh, you know, because of how tough some of these conference tournaments were, because yes. of how many 60 years came back for this season and, and made the weight, every weight deeper and more difficult and and harder to compete in. So It'll, uh, I think it'll be, it'll, it'll, I think we'll still get some of those early first round crazy matches this year. There, there'll always be, be a few, you know I mean? They're, they're for sure. But, and that's why, you know, I, I kind of maybe talk the way I do. Like the, the goal is, man, you got to come out with, without jitters, right? Like, you know, some guys want to feel it out and, and the goal should always be to come out swinging, come out executing, uh, in that way. Cause that, that's the part as a coach, right. That you, you know, you worry about a kid just, you know, working himself into the tournament and try not to screw something up. Right. Like, man, like get in there and get after it right away and see if he's ready to go right away. You know, for sure. But that oh. that's, takes a lot of trust in who you are and your ability to execute. A couple more fun ones of note. Uh, All American last year, Jaden Navis is the 23 seed at 149. Um, National champ last year, Austin O'Connor is the yeah. 11 seed at 157. Um, where was uh, Valencia at 65? He fell way down, didn't he? Yeah, 18 seed. Yeah, he's a four-time Pac-12 champ and an All-American. He's <laughs> he's the 18 seed. So it's uh, it should be a wild one. Should be a lot of fun uh, from that way. Uh, running down the rest of our guys' seeds real fast. Garrett Ninehouse, or no, Parker Phillips, the 20 seed at 141. Yep. He will draw number 13 seed, Ian Parker of Iowa State. Um, yep. You know, we wrestled Iowa State this year, but Parker was, uh, I believe he was ill. Is that? Yeah, Ian Parker did not wrestle in that duel. Uh, I want to say they had a few guys out with the flu or something like that. Yep, I believe so. So that will be a match that could have happened that, that's going to happen anyway, right? Yep, here we go. Uh, we said Kenny's got Jake Keating. Uh, Garrett Nyenhouse is going to be the 25 seed, and uh, he has a, f- a familiar opponent in uh, Mickey O'Malley of Drexel. Uh, first match of the season. First match of the year, so he'll he'll know what he's about. So he should uh, he should have a, a a good scouting report going into that one. Max, Man, what a Lyon. great name, Mickey O'Malley. I love it. Yeah, right out of Philadelphia. I'm St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> On St. Patrick, yeah. Mickey O'Malley on St. Patrick's Day out of Philadelphia. I like it. That's pretty good. Uh, Max Lyon, the 30 seed at 184. Um, he will have the number three seed, Trent Heidley. Am I saying that correct, Tony? Yep. Out of uh, NC State. Um, Trent, used to, Trent, I don't know if he still is. Trent used to be a Purdue football fan, didn't he? Well, I think so. I mean, I know. Uh, I remember seeing him tweet about it a lot. He liked Purdue, yeah. 
Yeah. So I thought that was pretty funny. It just was a bummer that he followed his brother to NC State. Right. Perfectly understandable, though. You know, blood yep. and all. Yeah, no, absolutely. Here. And so that is – that's all seven of them, right, Corey? That's it. Yeah, that's 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 our field. I stopped using my fingers to count. I just got yeah. kind of carried away there. So <laughs> I think I got everybody. That's all of them. Did I get Ramos? No, I didn't get Ramos. Ramos is the 26th seed. He's got Lucas Bird out of Illinois in the first round. Another familiar opponent. Um, I want to say that was a 5-0 score in the duel. It was it was close. There were some strands. Sounds about right. But yep. that was uh, you know, do you see Matt being able to, you know, you talk about how he he was able to close the gap on a guy like Foley, you know, from the duel, got majored in the duel and and you know, was a was a you know, a reaction time away from upsetting him at the Big Ten tournament. Um, can he do the same thing with with a guy from Illinois? Yeah, oh, absolutely, right? I mean, everybody's got to believe that. You're you're the bad draw. You're the dangerous guy. And Matt truly is, right, with his, his athleticism. And he's got some dangerous stuff, right? Like, he can put you on the back, and he can make some things happen. He can scramble. He can attack and score. He's got some dangerous defensive stuff. So, yeah, no, I feel good about, you know, putting him out there, you know? Um, and I think, you know, we, we talked about this kind of behind the scenes a little bit, but um, I think it's, you know, it's worth mentioning, you know, Matt Ramos is not really a 133 pounder, right? Like this is a guy who, when we recruited him, we told him, you know, D's coming back for his sixth year. He's the guy at 125. Uh, give us a year at 33 and then we'll let you go back down. And so I think that he, um, he has a lot of us excited for the future of, of what, what his career could be the rest of the way. Yeah, no, that, that's the future. We'll, we'll put that on hold for now. Right. Like we gotta, we gotta deal with this first. So uh, there's well, that coach speak, Corey, right? I mean, we, Never uh, all of our eyes are on, on Lucas bird and that 133 pound bracket first. Um, in the more immediate future, Oh, I should mention this. Uh, we put out on Twitter this morning. Um, I'll put it out on Facebook and some other places as well. We do have a limited number of tickets left in the Purdue section at Little Caesars Arena. If people are interested in sitting in the Purdue section, going to Nationals, uh, give the Purdue ticket office a call, 765-494-3194. Is that right, Corey? That sounds right. 3194, yeah. Yep. Man, I did that right the first time. Um, give them a call, tell them you're interested in tickets. They'll take care of you. Um, like I said, I, I don't know. I think there may be like 10 or 12 left. It's not, it's not a large amount. So, um, if you're interested, don't waste time, go get some tickets, come join us in Detroit. Um, in the more immediate future, Tony, uh, you and the coaches are, uh, heading out on the road this weekend. Yeah, it never, it never ends, right? Recruiting never ends. I mean, I got back from, uh, I got back from Big Tens on Monday and Tuesday night. I was in a young man's house uh, talking Purdue wrestling as well. And now we've got guys, we've got Coach Shop at the PA States, his, his backyard as we speak. Uh, Jake, uh, you know, Coach Suflo and I will be working Ohio this year to watch some people. And, and get some more Boilermakers here. So, yes, it, it never stops. And, you know, while we, we are really focusing on our guys, 
you, you got to go find more, right? You got to, you got to create that environment and build that room. And that's, that's what we're doing this weekend. Um, you know, I, they put the numbers out every year. They talk about how many qualifiers come from each state for the national tournament. Um, Ohio and PA are always two of the ones that are, that are way up there. Uh, what do you, uh, what do you enjoy most about going to, you know, these are two of the premier high school events in the country each year. What do you enjoy most about going to see them? Yeah, you just understand that there's good quality wrestling right throughout that state. And so you're, you're watching guys who will be having success at the next level. You know, the, the depth is what makes it, it makes it fun because you know there's good D1 talent that's coming out of those every year, and you're going to see, see them on the podium in the future. And that's exciting, right? You know, there's, there's some state tournaments uh, where, you know, the depth isn't that way, and you'll have a, a really great kid that you like, but he just rolls through it and is never challenged. And you love to see these kids challenge and have to scrap and fight and see what they're made of. And, and so I enjoy that aspect of it, especially in these stronger states. Um, I, I do have an interesting question as far as with the way recruiting has changed over the last couple of years, you know, they opened up being able to talk to juniors earlier. Uh, you're getting more early commits. Um, how does it change going to these tournaments? You go and now when it used to be, there was a handful of guys that maybe were committed that were all seniors, right? And now you have juniors and sometimes sophomores that have already, you know, announced their commitments. And uh, how does that kind of change your approach? You know, when you go to these tournaments and you're watching guys and, and there's, there's so many more in the field that are already committed. Well, I mean, honestly, it makes you, uh, think about getting, getting your offers out sooner and sooner, right. Which is what has to happen. I mean, that's, that's where you immediately go. I mean, you know, if you know, if you don't get there in time, there's kids off the board, like you just said. So, you know, from that standpoint, man, it makes me nervous because you see a good kid and it speeds everything up. It used to be. And I think I've talked about this before, man, the process, just like there's a process of how you want to develop your kids in your room you know, the, the recruiting process used to look different as well. And now, boy, you, if you see a guy you like, you better jump in two feet quick and run full speed ahead because you're not always sure how long they're going to be there. You know what I mean? So it's, 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 it's a different environment. You know what I mean? And I think with anything, there's good and there's bad about it. Sure. Are you constantly, like, doing self-audits to evaluate the way you're doing these things? to make sure that you're, you're trying to keep thing, you know, keep everything where you want it to be. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, you're, you're always looking for a better plan and a better way to do things like that's, I think that should just be part of what you do every year, but you know, we see so something I've been thinking about a lot, right? You hear Matt Painter talk a lot about, uh, and now here we are talking basketball on a wrestling podcast, <laughs> but can't avoid it. <laughs> him talk about, last week right about uh recruiting rankings and how they can vary and be so different for rest for for basketball right ed's in the 300s and how's that make people look mm -hmm. and you know it's the same with us and, and while rankings can be more accurate because it's head-to-head -head wrestling right from an evaluation standpoint you still have to find kids who fit your culture they got to value what you value and it's easy to take kids with talents that maybe don't don't want to buy into the same things I really value, and now you've got you've got a problem right in your program. 
And so I'm trying to figure out now, hey, what's what's the best way to not just identify talent? Because I feel like you can see that very quickly, but a kid who really fits how you want to train, how you want to compete, uh, is school important? You know, how do you do everything in your life that 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 really fits with your program? And I think that's the part for me that I'm really trying to find a better way now. And, you know, there's different personality or disc assessments, different things out there, right? Different tools that maybe, maybe that's, that's what it needs to be in the future too, right? To really identify who's going to fit and do the best in your system, because that becomes really important, not just the talent part. So, yeah, I think that's a great question, uh, Corey. And something's been on my mind is how do you, uh, when you see these good young kids not only get offers in their hands and get them to Purdue and see what you have to offer them, but make sure that they're going to be a great fit for you. Awesome. We have that talk constantly, Corey. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's an ongoing theme. Wow. Those are the, those are the things that uh, outsiders don't think about. We just, you know, we just see, on the mat stuff and we know about the practice stuff but it's it's all that other mess that matters too no it, it's true man and, and like i said I, it's too bad we don't have that clip with painter you know he's talking about you know oh i've got that clip right kids nope. and and uh and what they value and how they want to you know compete that all becomes important as well as like you know, baggage or excess stuff that comes that is going to be part of the equation. You know, it's just going to be part of it, right? This is life and, and we're all people. And so we all have different things. And is that going to be compatible with, with what you want to do, how you want to do it? I, I think that's very, very important. And I think, you know, there's something to be learned, even, you know, even though that's basketball and wrestling and maybe it's apples and oranges, but I think there's things that, that we can definitely pull from it that, that will help us do things better. That's one thing I know talking with a lot of coaches is, is, I mean, yeah, the sport's different. The environment's different. The, the, the makeup of the kids is different a little bit, but they're so much similar. And, and every coach bemoans the fact that they don't get more time to pick each other's brains to, you know, talk about, Hey, how do you approach this? Here's how we do this. Here's best practices for, for recruiting, for, dealing with internal issues for, you know, building relationships. It's, it's so, it's very uniquely college sports, but it's definitely not uh, specific to each individual sport. Yep. We're getting deep here. We're going <laughs> to, we're going to go and wrap this thing up. Cause we've strayed a little bit from the, from the, the nut. Uh, uh, stray? No, never happened. Never <laughs> happened. Uh, coach, good luck in Detroit, uh, travel safely. Can't wait to see those results. And, and you talked about bloodbath, baby. I think second round, every weight is going be to messy. be just a Donnybrook because yep. of that depth, because of those, some of those rankings, the, the matchups that we're going to get in round two are going to be phenomenal. Um, and yep. uh, just can't wait to see how this thing comes out for the Boilermakers. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And, and I, you know, we've, we've been tested a lot this year and we got tested at big tens and that's where you want to see that tough schedule. We've wrestled really, really show off that, Hey, we're, we're prepared to wrestle through those, those tough matches and go deep into the tournament. 
Corey, I like the rest of my listeners, uh, the rest of our listeners. I'm about to go Google what uh, Donnybrook is. Oh, you're going to be pleased. And where that saying came from. <laughs> Mickey O'Malley from uh, from Philly could probably tell you. Probably. He's been in a Donnybrook <laughs> too. <laughs> Boys, good luck in Detroit. Uh, look look forward to uh, wrapping this thing all up in, a, in another week or two. All right? Till then, boiler up. <laughs>